0: Good morning, and happy Father's Day. Really glad you're here. You know, I have the cowboy fans are always asking me. I told them in yesterday, they're always asking me, why don't y'all ever have any cowboys here? And I said, one of the things you have to be before you can come here is a Christian. Yeah. And we can't find any cowboys that are Christians. So hey, <laughs> you know, y'all find me a couple, we'll have them here. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I love. I know there's not gonna be a cowboy fan in heaven. Or I mean, the fans may be there, but it won't be any cowboys in heaven. I got a song for you, Mama. Don't let your babies grow up, (laughs) be cowboys. We have a good time this time of year as Redskin fans, but you get us in the middle of the year, we're just about ready to commit suicide. (laughs) But anyway, God says the world is going to end tomorrow. The New York Times carried a front-page headline which read, "The world will end tomorrow." reliable sources say. And then that little box that says analysis on page 11. Then the Wall Street Journal's front page headline read, World Ends Tomorrow, Market Plunges. The headline in USA Today read, We're Gone. The headline in the LA Times read, World Ends Tomorrow. President Obama says, Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow. Finally, the headline in the the Washington Post read, World Ends Tomorrow, Congress Approves Term Limits, and school and prayer. <laughs> uh, school, school prayer, yeah. That'll be the end of the world. Anyway, uh, the papers may never print that, but this world is going to end. And Jesus is going to come back. And today we're going to talk about the end times as we continue our series of people's choices. I know most people may come expecting a Father's Day message, but we did, we did that yesterday morning at our breakfast. Hey, the breakfast was great yesterday. Great food. Mike Nelms did a great job. And uh, anyway, we're going to continue our series. This is one of the top choices of people wanting us to speak on, and it's one of the least knowledgeable ones that I am of, of all the topics that were. But when will Jesus return was the question. People have been discussing. They have been debating. They have been arguing. It has divided churches. It has divided denominations. uh, Since the beginning of time, the answer to this question. You know, actually, it's the second most asked question in the church. Uh, You know what the first one is? They ask about sex. And uh, the second one is, uh, when the world wins. The third one is, will there be sex in heaven? (laughs) I don't know. I'm kind of banking on it, but (laughs) anyway. uh, (laughs) I don't know why y'all do this to me. (laughs) But even though Jesus said no one knows the day or the hour, people still are continuously speculating when the world wins, when will Jesus return again. Now uh, here are some of the most noted predictions. Edgar why is it not he published a book, 88 Reasons: Why the Rapture uh, will happen in 1988." That didn't happen, and the next year, he released a publication predicting it would be the following year in 1989, and that didn't happen. So he moved it to 1999 and then to 1995, or 1992, and then to 1995, and so on and so on. you have to ask yourself what this guy's smoking. Uh, James Harmston, the leader of... Now listen to this church. The leader of the True and Living Church of Jesus Christ of Saints of the Last Days. Now how would you like to say, where do you go to church? Well, I go to church at the last day... Uh, true and Living Church of Jesus Christ of Saints of the Last Days. Predicted the second coming of Christ would occur on April 6, 2000. Needless to say, we're still here. According to Harold Camping, uh, he predicted the rapture would happen on May twenty first, 2011. And that didn't happen, so he came up with another date, the prediction of September 27th of 2012. No, 2011, I'm sorry. And that didn't happen. The most recent prediction was December 21st, 2012, uh, where the, the predicted end of the world according to some interpretations of the uh, Mayan calendar, and then there was a movie based on the, that prediction of 2012. Anybody see the movie? Did Jesus come? Oh man, so much for that. But you know, if you're not a believer, sometimes all this talk about the end times uh, can be kind of weird to you. But did you know that there's more prophecy? I think I'm, I think don't hold me to business, I think there's four times as much prophecy on Jesus' second coming than there was on his first coming. Four times the amount of prophecy about his second coming than was predicted on his first coming. But the real real issue is, it doesn't change the fact uh, of whether it bothers us, whether it's weird to us or not, but the fact is Jesus is coming. Here's what Jesus had to say about the end times.
1: Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus said what the end of the world would look like as the time approached nearer. In the book of Matthew, chapter 24, Jesus said, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Religious tolerance is higher today than it's ever been with many people agreeing that all roads lead to heaven no matter what you believe. In a recent study, 57% of evangelical Christians said they agreed that many religions can lead to eternal life. The problem is not that people don't believe in anything, it's that they believe in everything. Political correctness and the fear of being intolerant has diluted the gospel and made it so that Jesus is not seen or believed as the only way to heaven jesus continued in verse 6 you will hear of wars and rumors of wars but see to it that you are not alarmed such things must happen but the end is still to come nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom since 1945 and the end of world war ii our world has only had three weeks of peace without a major war or conflict we've witnessed major conflicts such as the vietnam war the six-day war of israel the korean war Gulf War and the war in Afghanistan, but since 1945 there have been over 250 major conflicts throughout the world. The majority of conflicts are civil wars fought within the same ethnicities and countries. Jesus went on to say in verse 7, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Today over 41,000 will die of starvation, that is 28 people every minute. That's more than AIDS, malaria and tuberculosis combined. And tonight, one out of every eight people in the world will go to bed hungry. Furthermore, over the last 20 years, earthquakes and natural disasters have increased to four times the amount they normally were since the early 1900s. Each year, there are about 20,000 earthquakes registered worldwide. Since 1970, there have been over 70,000 earthquakes worldwide at a magnitude of 5.0 or higher. That's an average of 4.5 major earthquakes a day. As Jesus continued, he said in verse 9, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Today, around the world, about 100 million Christians in over 65 countries suffer persecution. From the year A.D. 30 to 2000, over 70 million people were killed worldwide because of their faith in Jesus. The 20th century saw over 45 million killed nearly two-thirds the amount than in the preceding 1900 years. In 2012, it was estimated that 100,000 Christians were killed worldwide because of their faith. Jesus then said in verse 12, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. There is no doubt that the majority of society today is more tolerant to social injustice than ever before. Human trafficking, which is the equivalent to modern-day slavery, generates 44.3 billion dollars every year, with sex trafficking bringing in 32 billion dollars of that total. That's 87 million dollars a day. One out of every four girls, and one out of every six boys are sexually assaulted before their 18th birthday. Every day it seems as if we are reading a new headline filled with acts of senseless violence and aggression further proof of a world seeming to care less and less about the well-being of one another. But as Jesus concluded his description of the end of days with good news in verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Today the gospel has been translated into over 518 different languages, which is more than ever before. There are hundreds of thousands of missionaries worldwide spreading the hope of the gospel, In the United States, there is a new church being planted every two hours. Christianity is the largest religion with over two billion people claiming to follow Jesus worldwide. With technology, the gospel and God's word is more accessible and readily available than it's ever been at any other point in history.
0: But the real fact is since there is no doubt really there is no doubt in my mind and no doubt when you read those Scriptures and you hear those um, the statistics that go along with those there is no doubt that we are likely living in the last days. Have you ever wondered though when you think about the last days, you ever wondered what the very last day would be like? I mean here civilization has been around all these years, Christianity has been around all these years and Jesus comes again and what will happen? On that very last day, I, I'm going to try to answer that. Like I said earlier, I'm probably the least likely to talk about all this, but i will try to answer that question from the book, uh, the book of Thessalonians. The first, these, the Thessalonians, these first-century Christians, were so convinced that Jesus return, was returning, they just knew he was coming back at any moment, and, and they were freaking out about it because, uh, because of their relatives and their loved ones who had died. And uh, they were wondering if they were going to miss out on what was to come because they believed in the way as well. And so they had all these questions about, wow, Jesus is coming again and, and uh, people go to heaven and, he, and how about those that have died, our, our relatives and our loved ones. And, and so Paul was writing to the first Thessalonians uh, the, chapter 4 to help them understand what was going to happen uh, to them. And so we'll start by reading in uh, verse 13 of First Thessalonians chapter 4. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord uh, in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Many times when you uh, hear somebody's going to talk about the end times, it's kind of a discouraging thing. But I wanted to approach it today as the hope that we have as believers. The hope that we have and encourage you uh, today in the fact that Jesus is coming back again. Now from this passage you can find three reasons uh, why believers can have hope and leave here today encouraged not uh, discouraged. And if you're not a believer you can leave here more encouraged uh, and believing as well. Okay, now, so the first reason that we have hope and that we can be encouraged is on that very last day, the, the, the very last day Christ is coming again. If you look at what Jesus said Himself in John 14, 3, it says, If I go, so He's talking to His disciples, He's telling His disciples, I'm out of here, been with you three years, but now it's my time, and the time is short. He said, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will return. He says, I will return. That's Jesus Himself. It's in red letters, and take you to be with me so you also may be where I am. Now, Jesus says to these guys, hey, I'm coming back. So, in the early church, anytime you talked about the fact that Jesus was coming back, they were excited about the return of Jesus. I mean, they were jacked up about the fact that Jesus is returning. Uh, and, and they greeted each other with the word, that, uh, the word Maranatha, which means... Our Lord is coming. Our Lord is returning. And so when they would greet each other, they were so excited and so jacked up about the fact that Jesus was coming again that they would see somebody and they'd say, Maranatha, which meant the Lord is coming. The Lord is returning again. Now, it's much different when you think about how we greeted each other this morning. Some of you said, like, what's up, dude? When they walked in the door, and others said, "What's happening?" and you know, and and you might say, "What's going on?" Uh, it's uh, good to see you. How you doing? And you know, some of you lied and said you're doing good and you're doing terrible, but you know, you see, back then, back then, the folks they had a deep sense of anticipation that Jesus was coming back. They were jacked up, fired up. They were uh, they were really anticipating. They had this deep sense of anticipation that Jesus was coming back. Now, I'm not sure really that we have that kind of anticipation. You know, I don't believe I have that kind of anticipation. I didn't wake up this morning and say Maranatha or I didn't greet anyone this morning saying Maranatha or I didn't say the Lord is coming back. But you know, because we get so wrapped up in what's going on around us and in our own little world and in our world that we get so wrapped up in it that we we lose track as believers, and therefore we live less excited and less uh, enthusiastic about our relationship with the Lord because we don't have this great anticipation as believers that Jesus is coming again. You know, honestly, I I can say there was a time uh, uh, shortly after I received my salvation that I didn't want Christ to come either again. You know, the pastor, I got saved in 1980, and shortly after that, the pastor preached a message on the Lord's coming back, and I'm saying, Lord, no, no, no. Please don't come back. I mean, I don't want you to come yet. I want the Redskins, honest, true story, I want the Redskins to win the Super Bowl <laughs> before you come back. And, man, you know, and, and so, you know, all that happened. And, but, you know, it's sad, but true. But now I wish he'd come back soon again so I wouldn't have to endure another miserable season. I mean, really, <laughs> come on back. I don't want me. be <laughs> good gracious. Wow. Anyway, let's look at what Paul said in verse 14. He said, we believe as Christians. Here's our faith. This is our statement of faith. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And when we believe that and we personalize that, then we become believers. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now, I'm pretty sure that doesn't mean uh, that person back there that's asleep. (laughs) I don't (laughs) believe that, you know. Uh, It means those who have died. And and as Christians, we don't die forever because we'll live with God. So really, we are asleep in Jesus. And, And then in verse 16, Paul says, For the Lord Himself, think about that, The Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command... Remember when Lazarus was called out of the tomb and Jesus said, Lazarus come out and he did it in a loud voice, the Bible says, and with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now think about that, you know, I was thinking about that. Why is it that every time we talk about the dead, there's a loud voice? Well, think about it. Dead people can't hear. And so you've got to talk loud to them. So there's a loud trumpet, loud call, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Just think about that. In all the graveyards all around the world, pop, 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 pop. I mean, people are popping out of the grave and headed up to heaven. There's going to be this big, I mean, man, there's going to be like, whoa. And all these graves are going to pop wide open. And there's going to be a loud voice and the voice of the archangel Michael is going to shout and the trumpet of God will blare and there they come, the dead. Those who died believing in Jesus, this is the answer to the Thessalonians, those who died in Jesus will rise first. They will rise first. So Paul is telling the Thessalonians, uh, believers, that their loved ones who were Christians and who had died, they were going to rise first. Now theologians, when you study this, theologians believe there are two, there will be two resurrections. There's the first resurrection and the se- second resurrection. Now the first res- resurrection is for those Christians who will be res- raised from the dead. That will be resurrection number one. All the dead people pop down of the grave and they will rise and go to heaven. The second res- uh, resurrection is for those who are not Christians. It- it's known as the resurrection of the dead and they will be judged very differently. Now the Christians will be judged for their good works. If you're a Christian, when you will get when you get to heaven, you're gonna be judged. Not for not for the way you lived your life, the sin and all that. You won't be judged. I used to think when that the pastor would say that, I used to think I'm gonna to get to heaven. there be back then there was these real to real. And I thought, I'm gonna to get to heaven. And God's gonna put the movie on and I'm gonna go, Oh my gosh. I'll never make it. <laughs> But I later learned that we're going to be judged for our good deeds. Those things that we did we're going to be, that were good, uh, we don't get to heaven because we do good things. But well, we're going to be judged from the good things that we did. And then we're going to be rewarded. We get to heaven. You know, all these good things you did, you'll get a little reward in heaven. I always think I just want to get to heaven, you know. If I get a reward with it, that would be great. <clears throat> But so that that the Christians will be judged and rewarded. Those who don't believe, those who are non-Christians, those who have laughed at this, those who have scoffed it, uh, they will be judged at the great white throne judgment, the great white throne judgment, where they will be punished eternally and separated from God and destined for a a place called hell. I hate to talk about that, but you know it's a reality. If we refuse to uh, accept Christ, and we go our own way and we live our own way and that we'll be separated from God and destined for hell. Uh, But there's still hope, okay? While you're still here. You got breath, you got hope. In fact, Revelation 26 says, blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. In other words, if you're part of the first resurrection, the second death has no power over you. Now, what does this mean? I've heard it said uh, that you can be born once and die twice. You can be born once and die twice, or you can be born twice and die once. Now, what that means, if you're only born one time, you will die twice. Uh, you will die a physical death, and then you will die. You'll stand before God, and you will uh, experience a spiritual death, and you'll die twice. Now, the good news is this, though: if you're born twice. You only die once, and you might be like Nicodemus, a man in the Bible. He asked Jesus, "Well, how can I be born twice? Can I go back in my mother's womb and be born again?" And, and, and yes, that's what—that's you need to be born twice. You're born—you're born spiritually. Uh, uh, we have a physical birth, and we have a spiritual birth. We have a physical birth where your mama uh, was in the delivery room and she's pushing, and Dad's standing there going. You know, and we're all trained up to do what we're supposed to do when we're in there, we just stand in there. You know, and mom, she's happy for one minute, and the next minute she's cussing you. You know, wah, 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 you know, and you were born. Popped out, right, boom, born. That's physical birth. <laughs> Everybody got that now? I don't know why I had to describe that, but uh, and you have a, and then you have a spiritual birth. A spiritual birth is when you accept Jesus Christ, and you're spiritually born. Where you say, you know what? I believe that Jesus lived. I believe He's the Son of God. I believe He died on the cross so that I could be forgiven of sin. And we confess that we believe that. Then we have a second birth, and where we're where we're spiritually born again. Your old life is gone. You're forgiven. You're made, you're transformed, you're made completely new. I mean, the old life disappears and you get a new life. You get a second chance. We call that on the golf course, a mulligan. And so we get a mulligan life. So uh, Jesus is coming again. Okay, that's what's going to happen on the on the very last day. Jesus is going to come again. The second thing that will happen is we will have a rapture. Now, what is the rapture? The rapture is when Christians uh, living are taken away. In other words, those of us who are living, we're going to be raptured. And, and, and after that, the Bible says, we who are still alive and are left will be. So in other words, if Jesus comes today and we're still alive, and we hopefully will be, uh, and we're still alive and we're left, the Bible says we will be caught, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, after, after the dead in Christ rise first, pop, 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 out the, of the grave, and if you're still alive, And you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that when you're still alive, you will be called up together. Now, the word called up comes from the Greek word, which actually means to be snatched or rescued. In other words, Jesus is going to come and He's going to snatch us. He's going to rescue us. So, if you're alive when Jesus returned and you're a believer, the Bible says that you and I will be rescued. And we're going to be taken out of this mess. Boom, we're out. And there are four different beliefs about the rapture. And people fight and argue over this and go back and forth over it too. Uh, The rescue, the rapture. And people uh, are still debating that. So we have four kind of beliefs on that. We have the pre-trib people who believe that Christians will be rescued from this world before the tribulation. Now the tribulation is seven years of bad stuff happening. I mean if you're reading Revelations you don't want to be around when that happens. It's going to be bad stuff. That's going to happen. So there are people that believe that God is going to rescue us before things get bad. And then there are the, uh, the mid-trib believers who believe Christians are rescued in the middle of the seven years, uh, uh, before, in the middle of the seven-year tri- uh, tribulation before it gets really, really bad. In the middle of it, God's going to come and He's going to rescue us. And then we have the post-tribs who believe that uh, we're rescued after the tribulation, after the seven years of suffering, pain, and agony that, uh, that will happen in the world because uh, of uh, Jesus' second coming and the end of the times. Uh, then that after that's all over, then God will come and rescue us. And then, there's who, then there are those who believe, as I believe, and I believe this since Bible college, is that there are the pan-tribs. Now, the Pantribs, is those who say, I really don't know how it's going to happen. But believe it's going to pan out in the end. I mean, in the end, it's all going to pan out, you know, one way or the other. We're going to heaven, and I don't know if it'll be before, in the middle of, or after. But I believe it'll pan out. You know, but here's what I do believe. And here's the reason I really believe that. I believe in the goodness of God. You know, and I believe that God wants what's best for us because He's a good God. And no matter how many people want to think that God's a bad God all this kind of stuff, God is a good God. And because He's a good God, He knows what's best for us. And so at the end, when it's time for us to go, it's going to all pan out because God loves us and He wants the best for us. So that's why I believe in it's going to all pan out. He's going to rescue us one way or the other. Now, Jesus describes the rapture this way in Matthew 24. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field... One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. Y'all get at it, women, grinding that hand mill, man. <laughs> we'll be out in the field. We'll be picking the corn. And y'all be in there. <laughs> How you doing today? <laughs> Just grinding. this, And all of a sudden, one of you will be taken and the other left. And the Bible says so you, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect Him. So the bottom line is we need to be ready. But in the context of the day it means two people might be talking on their cell phone to one another. You're talking to your friend and they're over in Stafford and you're over at uh, Lake Anna and you're talking and all of a sudden the phone on the other end goes blank and you think wow I'll drop that call and you call back. And nobody answers. And what's going to happen is you're going to be left, and the other one's going to be taken. You know, it's more in our context. Or You're going to be driving down the road in 95. And that one of you's going to be cussing. And, and, and the Lord's going to come. And three of your family members are going to be left. That one's cussing is going to be left here. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. <laughs> but that's what's going to happen, you know. That, uh, hope that you're the driver, is all I can say if you're left behind. But three people will be gone, one will be left. That's kind of how the end time is. How it's going? To, the rapture is going to happen. So Jesus is saying to us, "Be ready, be prepared, for our Lord is coming." Maranatha. Now I want to warn you about something. Okay? Now I'm going to get a little bit deeper here for you. If you sleep in the nude, you should keep some underwear close by. <laughs> Serious. Now you're saying you're saying now he's getting vulgar. No, I'm only telling you what Jesus said. Okay? he said it himself I mean he was practical I'm just repeating what he said in revelations behold I come like a thief blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that they may not go naked and be shamefully exposed <laughs> right there it is so <laughs> I believe that I, I believe that uh, you know he's probably uh, pr- probably you know, metaphorically, you know what I'm trying to say there. I'm so messed up right now. Uh, but, you know, that's a metaphor. But the reality is, you know, I'm literal. I kind of take the Bible literal. I know that we, you know, that we're not maybe not supposed to do that, but there's times I do. And so just in case you sleep in the nude, keep some boxers or some bras or something <laughs> <laughs> close by. Unless you want to be... ah. <laughs> you know there goes the pastor <laughs> well I can promise you this pastor's going to have his whitey tighties on because <laughs> I'm going to bed with him on <laughs> I'm not going to sleep in the news I can just imagine seeing big daddy Paul Beals <laughs> anyway I'm not going to be I was in Nigeria recently last time I was there and they talked about this black mamba snake they said, it's the deadliest snake in the world. Now, we were living in this place, this home with these, this couple, delightful couple, loving them to death. And they said that they were in bed one night and they just happened to tell us they sleep in the nude. They're dark-skinned guys. And they said that one night a snake came through the window. And they said, all you could see was two black running down the street. I said, well, let me tell you something. If a snake drops in my window tonight, you go see a white boy in his underwear fall right behind you. <laughs> And that's kind of how the rapture is going to be, I think. Anyway, why do I do this to myself? Y'all can't imagine. I go home and I have to go, oh, God, why did I open my mouth? But anyway, here we go. (laughs) But really, the fact is, be ready. Seriously, okay? Let's get back to being serious. Jesus is going to return, and then the believers will be out of here, and then there's going to be a homecoming. It's going to be a homecoming like we've never experienced. Anybody ever go to a homecoming? You know, we used to have homecomings all the time. This is the 20,000th uh, year that this church has existed and we're going to have a homecoming. We have big pig roasts and all that kind of stuff. But there's going to be a homecoming. What's happening at the homecoming? The Bible says, After that, we who are still, believe, are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Now, can you imagine... Meeting Jesus in midair. I mean, all of a sudden, bam, you're out of here. Or what if, what if somebody's been dead about 25 years and popped are out of the grave and they're going up the air and wow, right there's Jesus. We meet him in midair and say, whoa, that's Jesus. That's the man that died for me. That's the one that made it possible for me today to go to heaven. That's the one that came to rescue me from my sins and punch my ticket for heaven so that I could go to heaven and I could live a victorious life on earth. There He is, right there in midair, face to face with the one who was beaten and spit upon, who was drugged up a hill and who was crucified on a cross. And there He is. He did it for us. And we will be with Him forever and ever now that's a homecoming, yes, it's right. If y'all were over to celebrate Virginia last night, y'all heard the guy y'all are hollering and carrying on, and I bet you if Old Will Montgomery, what's his name, that sang there last night, it was some Montgomery. I bet if he said the Lord was coming and he sang some Christian song, y'all be going woohoo! But I'm telling you, the Lord is coming, and we got to be ready, and it's going to be a homecoming like we have never experienced before. You know what that means? There'll be no more pain in your life. There'll be no more sin, there'll be no more heartache, no more headaches, no more brokenness, no more disease, no more allergies, no more sickness, no more poverty, no more starving children, no more divorce, no more loneliness, no more cancer, no more dirty water, no more sex trade, and one out of eight children won't go to bed hungry. Man, we got to do something about that, church. We got to do something about dirty water and kids going to bed with no food. We got to do something about that while we're still here there'll be no more sex trade no more abuse no more rape no more need for funeral homes folks i'm talking about being with the lord forever now if your life is filled with tears and you just have felt, you've lived a life where you just don't understand it's been tears after tears and sadness after sadness the bible says that jesus will wipe away your tears can you imagine that that there'll be no more tears and you'll, be, you'll mourn no more, and you'll be with the Lord forever, Maranatha. So let's comfort each other with these words. Our Lord is coming back. Now, here's what I want to do. I want us to do that. I want us to comfort each other. I want us to encourage each other right now. Turn to the person if you're comfortable. Turn to the person beside you and say, the Lord is coming again. Now turn to the other person and say, the Lord is coming again. Maranatha. The Lord is going to return. And the Bible says that we should encourage one another with those very words. If we want to encourage somebody, we say, Michelle, the Lord is coming again. And you say, Hallelujah, and jump up and down and say to me, buddy, the Lord is returning Maranatha. How encouraging if we're living our life in faith, believing in Jesus Christ, that we get to be with Him forever, where there's no more pain, no more suffering, there's no more bad stuff happening, and we get to be with the Lord forever, and we get to see him face to face the one who died for us and died on the cross for our sins. Maranatha the Lord is coming and we get to be a part of that as believers. The Lord is coming. So let's continue to encourage one another that the Lord is coming and let us become more urgent more urgent than we've ever been in our life in fulfilling the vision of Salem Fields. Guys, I, people say, well, that doesn't seem like much of a vision. Well, I can't help it. That's what God called us to do in 1996 is to reach people who are far from God. God has called Salem Fields Church to be a church that never loses sight, that there are 60,000 people living in our community that don't go to church anywhere, and probably many of them never believe in Jesus Christ, and some of them maybe have never even heard of Jesus. And God has called us. And we need to become more urgent about that. I need to become more urgent. Gay and I just had a conversation out in the lobby. And we ask ourselves, what's happened to us? That we're not more urgent. That our next door neighbors are going to hell. And I can't think of one person. You know, I have people who say, I don't like you. Instead of saying I don't like them back, which I don't. (laughs) I say to, why don't I, I don't want, I still don't want them to go to hell. You know what I mean? I don't want them to go to hell. If you're in this room or if you're online, I don't want you to go to hell. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and the thought came to my mind. Gay said this one time. She said, you know, we're all gambling. We're all gambling. If you don't believe in Jesus, you're gambling that you're right. You may be. If we believe in Jesus, we may be gambling. This might be all just a crock of. Whatever, crock of cheese. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather be gambling where I'm gambling. Where my money's at is that Jesus is coming again. And I want to be ready. And I want everyone around me to be ready. Is there one person, i say this a lot, is there one person, do you know one person you want to go to hell? I can't think of one person. I mean, I want every cowboy fan there. Now that's love. You know, and so we need to be more urgent about that. When's the last time, really, when's the last time that you shared your faith with somebody and you told them, you know what, I believe in Jesus. That's why I wear my band. Because people ask me, what's your band about? And I say, oh, you want me to tell you? And they say, yeah. So I tell them, hey, I was created to be in relationship with God. God created us all to be in relationship with him. And that yellow says that God created me. And then I'll say to him, you know, this black represents that I sinned. And all of us have sinned. And so when I sinned, I was separated from God. And I'll say, but here, look right here. This red, this red is the blood that represents the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for me. And if I believe that, then I get back in right relationship with God. And God forgives me and he wipes all my sins away, cleans my heart and all unrighteousness, Uh, my sins. God says, he didn't sin. Jesus says, he didn't sin. It's been cast as far as the east as the west, never to be remembered against me again. And that green represents that I got a brand new start in life. I'm a brand new creation. And so I got to nourish that relationship and I got to learn to love God with all of my heart. And how do I do that? Because I spend time reading my Bible I got, I got to learn to pray. I got, I got to get baptized. I got to get around to other believers who believe like me, and I got to tell people like you about Jesus. I had a lady in my office, in a doctor's office one time, she said to me, and I said, Jesus died for all of our sins. And she went, Oh, that was so nice of him. Do you realize that people don't understand this? And, folks, look around at all the empty chairs. You know, There's somebody that you know and somebody I know ought to have their butt in that seat. Rich started that, so don't blame me. Because we're going to share the gospel as much as we possibly can. So I just had to say all that. But you know, Jesus is going to come and the Bible says it's going to happen in a flash. Listen to what the Bible says. Listen, I tell you a mystery. Oh, goodness, i got to get done. We are not all asleep, but we've all changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality. Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, old death, is your victory. Where, old death, is your sting. But thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your laboring in the Lord is not in vain. Let me ask you a question. If you knew Jesus was coming back next Friday, would that change your plans? Would it change the way you live the rest of this week? If you knew for certain that next Friday, 1130, right before lunch, darn it, Jesus coming back, he may. He may. We are living in the last days. Would it change how you live? He's coming back. Would it change how you believe? Maybe you came in and you're not a believer. You've never accepted Christ. Would that change if you knew for certain? Would you take that gamble? So I'll leave you with a challenge, Salem Fields. And I'm Salem Fields too, okay? Okay. Live like you believe he's coming back. Live one week. Live this week. Would you? Let's try to do that. I, didn't, I don't think I gave this challenge anywhere else in any of those services. But let's take this week and live like he's coming back. I challenge you. I challenge me. Worship like you believe it. You know, this, we got a great band and they do great and all that. But we don't do that for them to show off their talent. We do that so we take a time before we, do the, before we have the word, hear the word. We do that to worship. Now, worship is giving adoration to God, giving worth to God. And you don't have to raise your hands if you think that's weird. But maybe you could just look up to heaven. Maybe you could just unfold your arms and and just enter into worship and however God leads you to worship. That That it would change the way we worship around here. That, you know, that we'd get as excited about God and the possibility that he's going to return as we did about the Redskins up here and cheering them or cheering our favorite football team or going over to celebrate Virginia and thinking, oh, there's old Montgomery. Well, old Jesus come one day too. He might go down to celebrate Virginia one night when y'all down there. I'm going to be down there one night too. And let's don't start living like a lukewarm church, you know, starchy, where we don't care about others. We only care about us, but we start caring about people who are going to born once and die twice. Let's this week. Let's just practice letting our life bring glory to God. Those who don't believe, I want to challenge you too. You see, the most important question today is not is not are we living in the last days or will what will the last day be like. The most important question today is are you ready. Are you ready? Ready or not, remember the old game, I think it was 10K and Jimmy, we called it. Ready or not, here I come. We count to 100, next thing you know, we're running, trying to find everybody. The important question today is, are you ready? If not today, I challenge you. Maranatha, Jesus is coming again. He is returning again. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for your love and presence. Lord, I thank you for such a good group of people that listened, Lord, and tuned in and sat here for a long time. God, I thank you for that. And those are online and in the cafe and family room, wherever they might be today. God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would fall fresh in you upon us, Lord. God, I pray that your presence would be sensed right now. I pray, pray, Lord, for that person right now who's maybe struggling in their spiritual life. God, will you encourage them today that the Lord is coming, Maranatha. And Lord, I pray for that person or two or three that may be here today and they've never received Christ or maybe back in those days they believed in Jesus but something happened somebody, some Christian treated them bad or some church messed over them or just maybe they never heard the good news Lord I pray today for that person today. Lord I've been praying all week for people who don't know Jesus and I pray right now Lord that this would be the moment of their salvation If that's you today and you've never received Christ, can we just continue an attitude of prayer? I'm going to do this as fast as I can, but it's the most important thing i got to do. Would you just pray this prayer with me today if you come here today and you're not ready? And you're not ready. You say, I am not ready. And you're honest. And you say, you know what? I've been gambling on the fact that Jesus doesn't exist or I don't need to believe in him or I can do good works. But don't take that gamble. Try this gamble. It may not be true. I believe it is. But gamble on this one. And here it is. You pray this prayer in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can. Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. Just pray that. I believe that you died on the cross so that I could be forgiven of my sins. Jesus, I thank you today for forgiving me of all my sins. I invite you into my life to be my savior. Just pray, I invite you into my life to be my Savior. You know, it's just a prayer that I've made up. Simple fact is, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, we shall be rescued, whether we're dead or alive. So with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, no one looking around, if you prayed that prayer today, I just want to invite you at the end of this service, I just want to invite you to come up front and see Rich or I. We got a little band. You don't even have to do this, but it really will help you to just kind of say, you know what? You know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. This is for you that may not come up and you'll leave. Because the Bible says if we don't tell somebody what happened, then it kind of of, voids what we've done. We have to acknowledge Jesus and what he's done in your life. So with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, If you would just raise up your hand right now, no one looking around, and just say, "I received Christ today." I prayed that prayer. Did anybody just say and just raise your hand? Anybody like that? Yep. There's some hands. Yes. Just raise them right up. I prayed that prayer with you, buddy, and I received Christ today. Anybody else? Just raise your hand up. Put it. You put it right back down so I can get a good see. One more time. Anybody else? Yep. I prayed that prayer today. Okay. Thank you, Father. I thank you for those hands that were raised, and I pray, Lord, today that you will just touch their lives in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we love you and we praise you today. We thank you, Lord, that God, most people in here were ready. They were ready. They didn't raise their hand. Maybe some are still resistant. But God, I pray that those who uh, didn't raise their hand because they're ready, God, I pray that we'll live that way this week. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's all stand and worship together. If you have to go, I understand we've been a little longer today, but if you don't have to go, you can worship with us. Rich will be up front. He has some bands. If you receive Christ today and you'd like one of those little bands to wear proudly, uh, you can come up and get that as well, okay? So let's worship together. Thank you for being here today. Gabe will close in prayer.